Good morning. Let's take a moment of quietness and stillness. And uh, in that time, I'm going to ask you to pray your own prayer of invitation to this risen Jesus that we have just heard about on the Emmaus Road. So let's be still and quiet. And in that time, draw near to him yourself and ask him by his grace and his spirit to open your mind and your heart to hear what he wants to say to you as we reflect on this passage. Lord, we bow before you in great anticipation because our ear is tuned, our heart is open, our soul is ready to hear what you would say. And thank you that you will not disappoint us as we turn to look at your word and reflect on uh, what we see there. Gracious, living, Holy Spirit, teach us the truth. Interpret the truth to us. Show us the truth of our own lives and give us a heart that is ready and willing and delighted to respond to your call. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well now, what is an apprentice? With the popular Sir Alan Sugar show, you might be forgiven for thinking that to be an apprentice you need to be highly driven, outrageously ambitious, and maybe even ruthlessly out for number one, and in that process, prepared to trample over anybody and anything that gets in your way so that you might be chosen as the apprentice. Have you watched it? <laughs> I'm sure some of you have. I've sneaked a peek myself. And then if you become the chosen one, goodness, it doesn't stop there because what you can expect is that you'll have to work 24-7 and probably continue to nurture those maybe not so attractive character traits of ambition and drivenness in order to succeed in this apprenticeship. So with this idea of apprenticeship ringing on our ears, do we really want to be one? Do we really want to be an apprentice of Jesus? And, and why would we want to enter into such an apprenticeship? Well, maybe I'm being a little unfair to Sir Alan and his underlings. Maybe there is some character development in that process. Uh, maybe there is some self-reflection that allows them to grow as people and, um, and, to, and to become the better for it. Um, but if that is so, what would it be like to be an apprentice of Jesus? What does it mean to be an apprentice? Let us ask that question again. Well, here is one definition. An apprentice is one who is bound by agreement to serve a master craftsman with a view to learn the art or trade in which the master is bound to instruct them. So as an apprentice, we are bound to a master and uh, bless those apprentices, bound to Sir Alan, and they will learn from him a trade, won't they? A trade that he has been very, very successful in. And so for us, as we enter into this uh, thinking about being an apprentice of Jesus, what would it take for us to learn his trade? Is it his trade that he wants us to learn? Well, 
in order to answer that, I'm going to take us to the Emmaus Road story because I think it has a few clues. Now, let me walk you through that again. You might like to have the passage open in front of you because I'm going to refer to a number of verses as we walk through it and then draw some thoughts from it and develop them as we go on with this whole idea. What is it that makes one an apprentice? How do you become one? And particularly, maybe uh, singularly, uh, what is it to be an apprentice of Jesus, our master craftsman? Well, the background to this passage, uh, we have the benefit of great hindsight and we've had others in recent weeks uh, teach us and preach on some of this. Uh, the background is, of course, that Jesus has uh, ministered and then he has um, ended up being crucified. And that, of course, is not what his followers had expected. They had thought he was the Messiah, the one who was going to free them physically from the Romans. I guess for some of them they probably thought that he was going to raise up a human army and march against the Romans and rid them of the tyranny of this uh, occupying force who were crushing the Jews and to whom they, they had to uh, uh, surrender their, their selves and their lives and their way of being. So for many, for many of the disciples that was what they thought this Jesus was going to be and yet the outcome was so very different. Uh, wasn't it? He ends up being crucified as a criminal and, and, and he's dead. So here we have these two disciples and I think we can rightly say they are disciples, it's pretty clear that they are. So they've been following him and probably full of that expectation that Jesus, the master to whom they were slowly giving themselves was going to lead this incredible revolution and bring about uh, actual physical change in their circumstances. And that hasn't happened. So here they are. They're walking along the road and Jesus, of course, we have the great benefit of hindsight. We know he's risen. He draws alongside. The first verse that I find interesting is verse 16. What kept these disciples from recognizing Jesus? They didn't recognize him when he drew alongside. They didn't actually recognize him. Now, think about that. Even if you don't look at someone you know, if they come alongside you, there's something of their presence or maybe out of the corner of your eye you catch something or a word, it's the, the tone of their voice. And you just know who they are, don't you? But they did not recognize him. No idea. We don't. We aren't told why they didn't recognise him. But I, I would like to speculate. I'll have Gary shooting me. But I would like to speculate and say that verse 17 might be a bit of a clue. Could it be that because they were so downcast, their expectations that this Jesus, this hero, was going to do something very different to what has happened, that they've got totally absorbed in their pain and disappointment? And because they are so focused on that, they cannot see who he is. They miss him. Then go to verse 19, and to me this is an incredible verse in this story. Because Jesus has done a wonderful thing, something that he does with all of us. He draws alongside, he doesn't bombard them and say, hey, turn around, look, you're not recognized who I am. It is me. He doesn't do that straight off, does he? No, what he does is he asks them questions. He meets them where they're at. He meets them in their despair and in their disappointment. And so he has asked them questions. What's wrong with you? Why are you in such a state? Why are you heartbroken? 
And so they begin and they tell him, and they're amazed. They say, are you the only person in the world here that hasn't caught on what's been going on, really? That's what he's saying, isn't it? Or that's what they're saying to him. That they're kind of maybe almost dismissive with their first answer. And Jesus then asks them another question. And he draws them out. What, what is this? Tell me more, in other words, he's saying. And here's what they answer when they tell him more. They, they actually tell him that the woman folk have gone to the tomb and he's gone. And they've actually said to the disciples that he's risen. But what are these disciples doing as they tell that to Jesus? Well, they're not jubilant, are they? They're still utterly downcast. They haven't got it. They have not grasped the fact that he is alive. And so they're talking to him here and telling him the most amazing thing in all of human history, that he has risen from the dead, but they're telling it to him uh, as if he were just a dead prophet. They're, they're talking to this person as if this was something very inconsequential almost, or maybe beyond belief. They have not engaged with the fact that he has risen and that they process the journey uh, of doing what he set out to do is actually very different from the one that they had thought it was going to be. The perspective they had was wrong. Let's move on very quickly. Verse 25. We will discover that Jesus then helps them to understand something. He helps to correct their perspective by opening the scriptures to them and giving them a much broader view, a much better understanding of what actually has taken place. Now we of course have the benefit of hindsight here. We have the benefit of a much bigger understanding uh, than these disciples did at that time. But nonetheless the significance of scripture in helping us to understand and engage with this risen Christ is, is huge and we'll come back to that a little later. And then verse 28. Once they had kind of had the scriptures open to them, and I guess we can assume that they understood a little better and maybe their hearts were starting to rise a bit. We don't know that until later when they talk about how their hearts burned within them when he walked with them on the road. But verse 28, uh, something has taken place, hasn't it? Because instead of them being in a downcast mood with this stranger who doesn't seem to have got it or understood what was going on, they actually, when he goes to leave and to move away, they say to him, stay with us. They want to continue in his company. And then verse 30, this wonderful uh, insight into how they fully understood him in, <coughs> excuse me, in the breaking of bread. They, they saw who he was. In a moment of deep intimacy and a moment when they were engaging with the living Christ they saw who he was verse 32 they then tell us that actually this process had been had been beginning for them on the road didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and for me, that is one of the most wonderful uh, phrases in scripture. Didn't our hearts burn within us as we get alongside him, as we invite him to stay with us, as we walk with him, as he walks with us? This engagement of head in understanding the scriptures and heart in terms of engaging with him intimately is how we will know him. 
and how we will know this uh, master to whom we will be apprenticed. And verse 38, the encounter has totally transformed them, hasn't it? They are completely different in verse 38 from what they were uh, at the very start when they were walking along, along downcast, totally forlorn, no doubt. The scripture actually makes it very easy for us to see the contrast because they are very different at the end of this than they were at the beginning. This story for me has a number of pointers. Uh, there are many things that we could uh, do with this story and there are many ways in which we could develop aspects of it. But here are three things I want to draw our attention to that lead us into uh, helping us to understand what this journey of apprenticeship with the master is all about. The first thing I'd want to say is that as followers of Jesus, we need to understand the resurrection. Now, not just that he lives in the world, but that he also lives in me. Again, we have the benefit of a scripture that gives us a bigger picture. John 15, what does Jesus say? Abide in me. John 14, where he talks about the Spirit coming, and the Spirit will not only lead us into all truth, but he will come and be in us. Now, it's in recent years that I, as I have explored this, that I I guess I feel I have understood this much more fully. Because I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know, because you've probably read it many times, but what I guess I'm asking us to reflect on, to meditate on today, is that the risen, living Christ has changed our existence forever. And the second thing that I think this story shows us is that we make a choice to invite him to stay with us. Yes, he is living, he is doing and actively working in the world, and he's actively working through his people, his people as a corporate body and as individuals. But if we want that to be a full engagement with us, if we want the living God who dwells within us to allow us to be changed and transformed so that the world in turn might be changed and transformed, we have to choose to invite him to stay with us, to invite him to come apart with us and to allow him then in that place to transform us. And that to me is what it is to be an apprentice. Now, let me read you a few quotes from uh, a very influential author for me and this will not be a surprise to some of my friends, but Dallas Willard, Baptist pastor, author, university professor, he makes these statements about what it is to be an apprentice of Jesus. As Jesus' disciple, I am his apprentice in kingdom living. Now let us be clear, being apprenticed is not a matter of religious activity, but an orientation and quality of my entire existence. Now that is actually quite a challenging thought. It's not a matter of religious activity. Well surely if I am his apprentice, if I have embraced and engaged with and, and ad drawn aside with Jesus uh, and allowed this transforming work to take place within me, then surely it is about activity. Well yes it is. And as we read a bit more of Willard then we find out exactly what he means by that. Uh, but it is not initially and solely about activity. And I guess for me that is the point at which I feel I have 
turned that to see that to be an apprentice of Jesus is not just to see what he did and then to see what he commands us to do and to go off and do it, but it is firstly and foremostly to engage with the inner Christ who is within me, the living Christ who is within me, to draw aside with him, to invite him to stay with me so that he then might transform me. Dallas Willard goes on and he says, when this orientation of the whole of our lives has come upon us and been accepted by us, and there's that idea of choice. Then the grace that brought it can begin to move throughout every aspect of what we are and do. Apprentices of Jesus are those who seriously intending to become like Jesus from the inside, systematically and progressively rearrange their affairs to that end. Now, what does he mean? A few weeks ago, Gary led us through a great series when he opened up for us what the kingdom of God was like. What is it like to be someone living in the kingdom of God today? And he talked about service, about justice, about peace, about how serving is the road to honour and loving others and putting them ahead of ourselves, their needs ahead of ourselves, our own needs is the road to greatness. And for me, the Emmaus Road is a bit of a doorway into how we actually become those sorts of people. I feel we need to grasp that this living Christ who met with those disciples on the Emmaus Road, this living Christ who is living in the world but who also is living in me, wants firstly and foremostly to transform who I am. That is the first act of being an apprentice, to draw aside, to, to rearrange my affairs, as Willard has said, so that I am actually in that place where he is doing a work of amazing grace in me. Yes, I'm learning and listening about uh, his life, about what it is to live as one of these apprentices. But firstly and foremostly, it is about allowing his grace to transform me so that I might be like him. Uh, he says in John 15 that we can do nothing without him. In other words, we cannot do anything that will be of any kingdom value. We cannot bring about any of those kingdom values that Gary laid out for us unless it is through the, the transforming grace of him within us. So our first job, it seems to me, as an apprentice is not to engage in doing but to engage in being, to engage in getting aside, drawing apart and allowing this living Christ who lives within us to transform our understanding of our circumstances, to transform the character within us that is still flawed. One of the things I'm going to ask you to do between now and next week, because next week we will take a look at some of the practices that will help us in this. But one of the things I'm going to ask you to do is take some time to do a wee bit of a life audit. To ask yourself, how often and how well do I draw aside? Do I invite Jesus to stay with me? When everything else is shut out, when all the distractions are gone, or is my life still driven with that busy, 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 do, do, do? It seems to me that the first act of apprenticeship is to draw apart and to be with the master so that he might then open up my life, my heart to him and by his grace transform who I am. And then secondly, that out of that being 
that orientating of my whole self to him, that becoming like him, something that I can't do for myself, but that he will do in me if I choose to stay with him and invite him to stay with me. He won't transform us if we don't make space for that to happen, but he longs to. And as he transforms our lives, as he draws us to that place of understanding the world from his perspective, of seeing what it is that he is doing, and that is the second thing that happens. That as we are in this quiet place, as we allow him to transform our thinking and our understanding, as we allow him to root out that in us which is not a reflection of him, to change us to be like him, as we do that, then we start to see life from his perspective. We start to understand his agenda, his kingdom agenda. And as we take time to discern his kingdom agenda, to wait in his presence, Psalm 27, lots of places in the Psalms it talks about wait upon the Lord, wait for the Lord, wait, wait, wait. We're terribly bad at this waiting because waiting is not a passive thing where we sit and do nothing. Waiting is a place where we are prepared to be with God till we discern his agenda and his perspective. And when we do that, then we act. Then we engage in activity because what we are doing is acting into the place where he is already working. And if we are acting into the place where he is already working, you can be sure it will bring about that kingdom that Gary laid out for us. Sadly, I think often we, with great intention, uh, set out to do the work of God for him rather than discovering what it is that he is doing and being a true co-worker with him. And the great joy of this sort of life is that it actually leads us into the light yoke, the easy burden that Jesus talked about. Because the doing that is not born out of the being actually becomes very wearisome. We run out of steam, we run out of motivation, we run out of energy. And we actually then find ourselves also unable to sustain it, especially if some of the, the difficult stuff of life hits us. Because we're not doing it out of abiding, we're doing it out of duty. We're doing it, albeit that we may not like to recognize it, out of a legalistic, this is what I do as a Christian. I see clearly, not just here, but in many other places in the New Testament, that the first part, the first job of an apprentice is to get alongside Jesus quietly and to be, to be in his presence. Because in his presence, as I listen to him, as I open my heart to him, he will transform me and turn me into a person of the kingdom. And then, as I listen more, I will discern his agenda and I will discern where he is working, and that is where my activity in the kingdom becomes kingdom building. A revolution of head and heart. I become someone who naturally wants to serve. I don't have to force myself to be that sort of person. I don't become a servant of others through trying or through knowing that I ought to, but I am that sort of person. I do it naturally because naturally the life of Christ is within me. I naturally am someone who discerns injustice or recognizes where integrity has been breached. And then the living Christ within me will respond to that. 
I am quick to, uh, to make sure that those things are righted. Not I, but he within me. And, and more than that, I will discover that the fruit of the Spirit so well laid out for us in Galatians 5 and in other parts of the New Testament become who I am. Patient, self-controlled, kind. Now, as I drove up the motorway this morning, I wasn't very patient with a car that cut across me. So, um, where do we go from here? <laughs> Am I a hypocrite standing here telling you this is what we will be if we engage in this sort of life? And yet, the very morning that I'm coming to share these thoughts, and that's not who I am. Well, this is a journey. It is not uh, something that we become overnight. It is something that we turn our face towards, that we step into, and then we orientate ourselves, as Willard says, towards that, and we step into that journey for the rest of our lives. It's actually a huge step of faith, because it's actually a step that is saying, I am going to trust this Jesus completely. Now, you might be saying, that's all very well. If life is on the smooth, and on the up. But how in the world do you be this sort of a person? Do you engage in this sort of a journey when life throws rotten stuff at us? When the long-awaited-for baby is miscarried? When marriages break? <clears throat> when horrible illness comes our way? When we lose our jobs? You know, you can fill in the blank. How in the world does this picture that seems perhaps so inviting, uh, how does that really speak into life at its rawest, at its worst? Well, that too is a phenomenal step of faith. That we will choose to embrace the life of the living Christ and trust him, trust him in the face of whatever it is that comes our way and still journey in this journey of apprenticeship where we will allow him to be the one who opens our hearts to him, where we will actually not refuse him to come and stay with us in those moments that are most horrible, where we will still by an act of faith step into that relationship. And as we do, he will bring a perspective that will make sense of it. You see, I think that maybe we have been nurtured in our evangelical understanding of faith to think that this relationship with God is, and with Jesus is something like a Santa Claus, that we bring our wish list before him, we ask him for this and that and the other, and when he grants it, we're jubilant, and we say, yes, praise God, and when he doesn't, uh, we say, well, didn't believe and trusted him anyway. And I think somewhere in our uh, journey, subconsciously, there's something of that that has been put into our understanding of who he is and what it is to be an apprentice. What it is, as I see it, to be an apprentice is to step into a life with him where I will allow him to take me all that I am. I will take that step of faith and give myself the song we sang, surrender myself to him. That's a painful and difficult and challenging thing to do, but to do it because 
as the song said and as the scriptures say, that only there will there be the freedom to be who he's called us to be, and only there will we become people of the kingdom and therefore bring the kingdom in. Now next week we're going to look at some of the practices that let us step into that sort of a life. Um, if we'd had time, we might have entered into one of them this morning, but we don't. And so I would ask you this week that as you uh, move away from this morning, that you take a bit of time, a bit of space somewhere, and you do that little life audit. And you just, not in a, a way that is making you feel judged or rotten about yourself, but that you actually ask yourself, where am I intentionally making that space so that I can draw aside, where I can set aside every other distraction and just be with him. Because in being with him, we will discover. We will discover not only the purpose of life, but we will discover how to be the people that can live out this kingdom uh, kind of life. We will actually discover that in being in that place, he transforms us so that in fact he lives it out for us. I invite you to do that this week. And so as you do, let us take a moment of quietness and we'll pray and give ourselves to God. Lord Jesus, you are so tangibly here. Thank you. We can feel your presence. We can hear your voice. Thank you. As we go through this week, will you show us where we can actually draw aside and invite you to stay a while with us? Will you show us, Lord Jesus, how to open ourselves to you in this act of surrender? that allows you to come and transform us and make us into the kind of people uh, who will be kingdom people. Will you give us, Lord, patience with ourselves and remind us that it is a journey? And will you open up for us in the week that lies ahead some of the ways in which we can enter into that place with you so that you might transform us and so that we might step out into activity that is in the power of your spirit and that sees your kingdom come. For it is in your name we ask it. Amen.